Hello, this is Michael Gaffney. This is 508, a show about Worcester. Also on today's show, Brendan Mellican. Hi, Brendan. Good morning, sir. And Michael Benedetti. Is that sun getting to be in your eye? It's going to be. It's okay. I'm That's just, okay. Yeah, it'll be a nice squint. Well, today is another in our series of interviews with city council candidates. There's a lot of news going on in Worcester this week. We're not going to talk about that news. We're going to talk to Michael about running for city council. Michael, how are you doing this morning? Doing fine, thank you. I want to ask you, um, it seems like being city councilor in large part is sort of doing constituent services, being an advocate for people. How are you active in Worcester right now? Well, my uh, wife is on the Citizen Advisory Committee. Uh, I actually do quite a bit of lawyer for the day, uh, lawyer assistance programs as well. So mm-hmm. I, I handle free bankruptcies, uh, uh, divorces as well. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, with uh, with regards to it, I've uh, I've been a Kaplan Ten Five Eight Transportation Company in Hingham, Massachusetts. So mm-hmm. I served our country in the military. And so those are just a few few of things I'm doing at this time. Okay, and um, why do you want to be? on the city council why do you want to take however many hours a week of your time and suddenly shift that over to being on the council oh very good question and you know actually i think there'll be a lot more people running for Worcester city council uh, at this point if uh, we hadn't done the incumbents incumbents went on and actually cut off the time period for signing up for uh, you know getting signatures to be right, on the ballot right. um Otherwise, in my particular neighborhood, as well as many others, I've traveled across the city. We've got some issues concerning crime. We have unfunded pension liabilities over a billion dollars. Uh, we've got city councils that show up to less, uh, to less than, or missing rather, 30% of their votes. So there's a lot of issues with regards to what needs to be resolved here in the city. And you're a lawyer? Uh, yes, I am a what, lawyer. What kind of law do you do? Uh, divorce, bankruptcy, and personal injury. How did you get into that line of work? Well, you know, I, I originally went to Worcester State College. I uh, ended up going to Assumption College for my master's, and sort of just sort of fell in line as I was uh, as I was working in, in, in an industry as, a, as an insurance adjuster. I talked to a couple of attorneys on the phone and said, "I can do this." So I took the uh, the bar exam, and apparently, uh, rather the LSATs, and apparently <laughs> I did rather well. I, did, I went to a law school with a full scholarship. Oh, great! How you how do you enjoy it? Uh, how do I enjoy it? <laughs> yes, it's. Uh, it's it's rewarding in its own way. It, it, it is uh, <laughs> for a lot of time, a lot of a lot of situations. I'm, I do feel like I am helping people. So one of the questions we've been wanting to ask the candidates is: Is Worcester a sustainable city? And personally, I'm interested, especially in the environmental angle on that. But when I emailed you that question, you said, "Are we going to be talking about the financial angle on that?" And so, do you, so financially, do you think Worcester is a sustainable city? Not at the present time. Okay. Um, right now. We're actually in quite a bit of a budgetary crisis. Uh, City of Worcester actually, during the during the last period, has raised revenues uh, from $199.1 million to $248.8 million. I'll strike that $245.8 million. Um, that's a 23% increase. At the same time, the housing value uh, for residential sell, fell by $79,000 per house. Um, however, while raising revenues, we actually haven't, uh, we've, we've fallen behind with regards to our services. We're actually short approximately 50 police officers at this point, uh, as well as numerous firefighters. So we're not even providing the services with the money we raised. We made promises, and I, I want to stress, I didn't make the promise. We, as the incumbent city council, made promises to the city retirees that they would have uh, health insurance and they would actually have a, a pension benefit at the end uh, of, of their careers, and we're actually approximately one point. Two billion dollars in the hole, depending whether you think the uh, whether which paper you read, whether it's 656 million dollars short um, for health insurance uh, or 770 765 million dollars short for health insurance. Right. So um, that's not sustainable in the long run. Further, we're not going to be able to climb out of this malaise where, where we actually have a 30% commercial tax rate. Um, in fact, what we've been doing is, 
this year is, is which we barely published, we've actually increased our um, residential tax rates to uh, two and a half percent once again. Um, and we keep we continue to uh, keep this 30 percent tax rate while the surrounding communities where all the businesses are over in Blackstone, up at Salmon Pond. We don't have any we don't even have any stores left here in Worcester for the most part. Um, all that has moved out at a 30 percent tax rate. Then our plan is downtown, what we're going to continuously do is knock down buildings. And, uh, and I know we, we probably got to end up talking a little about that Midtown Mall, which somehow is a $3 million assessment against it. The Midtown Mall is not worth $3 million. Even the paper said that, but yet they've got a tax assessment at $3 million. Mm -hmm. um, and, of course, everybody is up in arms about the fact that uh, they haven't done any improvements to the building. Well, if they improve the building, the tax assessment is going to go up even higher. Mm -hmm. uh, so instead, the city of Worcester is talking about eminent domain which I don't think is the role of government to start. Uh, well, let me well, let me just roll that back to this to this question of financial sure. sustainability. Then, uh, so we had the situation where you feel like we're not providing service the services we need to provide with the taxes we're we're, we're uh, taking in, and we have all of these uh, liabilities to our retirees, et cetera, which it it's not clear how we're going to meet them. How do we then get to the next step and deal with that? Certainly, um, with regards to where we are right now. We can't start talking about cutting taxes at the moment. Reason being is we've got to continue to provide the services that we're already budgeted for. Mm -hmm. But my plan would actually be to say, all right, to these business owners that want to knock down their buildings, whether, whether there's Crocs on Main Street who think it's actually more profitable to knock down a building, put up a parking lot, and that's a sad statement for Worcester. Right. Um, or whether we're suddenly talking about eminent domain because someone's not improving their building enough to meet the city councilor's wants. My thought is actually to say, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. If you put five, ten, fifteen million dollars into the building, I'm actually going to give you a tax rate based on your initial assessment, meaning year one. Okay, so your current tax rate. You put the money into it. What we want to do is have a time period if you actually have a return on investment into that property. Mm -hmm. Therefore, what I'm trying to generate is people to improve that property. Right. Now, once you get people, once you actually have property that tenants are willing to move into, and I'm talking about commercial tenants here. Um, then what ends up happening is you sort of start creating demand and you have some more businesses downtown. Then there's more of a reason to have more retail, uh, retail and commercial space. Sure. It grows that way and from there you can consider trying to bring that 30% down. It's not exactly going to be an easy position. We're actually, um, right now, uh, Mr. Uh, Councilor Economy and Councilor uh, Russell are both proposed a very similar idea with regards to getting some of the three deckers across the city improved. So I think there's actually a, uh, an idea behind that. I think there's there's, there's some uh, some desire for it if, if we could push it forward. Okay. And so is that gonna is that gonna solve this problem of pensions and and whatnot? Well, the pension problem is is multifold. And what I'm gonna just remind everyone is that uh, back in 2008. Uh, the government advised that for now on we're going to be requiring local cities and, and municipalities to report uh, what their unfunded pension liability is. Now, to be fair, I'm going to say it, so at least from 2008, we knew that we had a <coughs> over a billion dollars worth of liabilities right. um, and took absolutely no action. We knew that long before that, just by the way, but I'll give them a break and just say it was five years. And we didn't fund a dime of it. What we actually have to do at this point is grow our revenues. Um, mm -hmm. We also have to start funding the pension liability. Now, is that going to solve it completely? Well, no. Actually, um, our governor actually put out a plan in, in January of this year concerning what we need to do with, with relative to future hires, um, as well as, you know, with regards to their benefits, as well as some other ways to try to reduce the cost in, in, in regards to the health insurance. As we, as we may be aware, just about a week ago, I believe, uh, the Telegram Gazette had an article about um, the 
the, the fact that the city plans were actually considered Cadillac plans under the Obama plan, we had to actually shave off about $3 million worth of, worth of um, benefits given out on that end as well. Mm-hmm. My argument isn't, isn't to say whether or not these are Cadillac plans or not. They were promised. Right. Um, and we've got an obligation to fulfill the promise and try to make that promise workable with the rest of the residents of the city. Um, unfortunately, that's not going to be an easy challenge. But again, I just want to remind everybody that the promise was made long before I, I ran for office. I've never run for office before. Mm-hmm. And therefore, the people that made these promises basically set up a Ponzi scheme. They had no, they didn't put a dime away for it at all. Right. Which, uh, which basically committed a fraud against the, the very people they're supposed to be representing. I want to switch seats with you because I'm worried we have a lot of traffic noise. Okay. Let's do that real quick. Well, you guys are switching seats. Michael, um, who, would you, who would you say should take blame for uh, the way pension liabilities, or I'd say uh, the health care is the liability side, is in, it's the post-retirement side, probably tends to be the lion's share of that, or the, the issue. Um, who would you say takes responsibility for that? I would say uh, the majority of our counselors right now are actually uh, the ones that are responsible for it. I think uh, most of them have been on there for, for more than a decade. The only changes we've really had, for the most part, is uh, counselors in the districts. Mm. Um, and so I, I can't say that uh, you know anybody got elected, uh, whether it's Sarai, Mr. Economou, or, or Mr. Russell, in the last two years is really culpable for it. Right. Although I will say that the uh, 2014 budget Actually, uh, the provision for providing uh, some funding towards it is to say, if we find any extra money in mm-hmm. the budget, we're going to devote it to the, the uh, unfunded liabilities. I don't know if that meets uh, general, uh, generally accepted accounting principles, but at least they're mentioning it at this point. Brandon, do you have any more questions on this issue? Yeah, no, I'm just curious, but like in terms of um, where that went off the rails, I mean, do you have like a general time frame as to like where collective bargaining uh, hit the skids and? Uh, started to become a problem for the city or where there might have been a lack, a lack of oversight? You know, I, I can't just blame the city either. Um, the state of Massachusetts, well, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, actually is ranked ninth worst for pension funding. Mm-hmm. Pension funding. Um, and that actually has been going on for, for a rather substantial amount of time. And, and it's probably worse than actually is even stated. The reason being is we're assuming growth rates of 8.25%. 8, of course, we're also assuming premium growth rates. We are hitting those, those, those rates as well, though. Premium but we've also had to do... actually managing those funds, and they're upwards of 9%, if I'm not mistaken. If you recall, not too many years ago, just about three, four years ago, we also, we also engaged here in the city of Worcester in what's called asset smoothing, which yeah. is a nice way of saying we're taking from one, one place to put in another. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not always reached, and when it's not reached, it has actually a very detrimental effect that causes us to actually purposely invest in more risky, uh, more risky ventures, which I think... I would, I would hesitate, or not hesitate, to, to indicate that in the insurance world, um, with their regulations, I don't think you could be an insurance carrier and put money away uh, in, in the same sort of risky, uh, risky ventures that we are, because mm-hmm. it's really market dependent. And as we sit here right now, I think the market lost, what, 160 points yesterday. Mm-hmm. So that's not really what we want to be. If we want to be investing, we want to actually be investing in much more secure assets than, than, the, uh, than the stock market. I guess, you know, just trying to think, like, theoretically, if you were elected uh, to the council, then there you'd be uh, involved in some degree of oversight of the manager, whoever that would be, uh, for your tenure. Um, where would you place the, the burden in terms of oversight for collective bargaining? I mean, if, if we have a problem now, and we can come up with a million solutions to the problem, but we really can't come up with the solutions until we understand the root of the problem, where does that root lie? I, I mean, is, is the, are the unions uh, running amiss? Is, is collective bargaining not handled responsibly on the management side? Is the council not been providing the oversight to the manager that they should have been uh, for the last 20 years? Is there, is there one party in particular that you would lay the blame on uh, for not managing the city's funds or the responsibility to the, uh, 
the fiduciary responsibility to the, the residents of Worcester? Uh, yes, actually I would. I would I'll tell you now that the, the party I would blame the most would actually be the city council. Why? Because they're, they're supposed to be the leadership for us. They're, they're, they're actually elected to, to, lead, the, to, to lead the city. Um, the manager is actually supposed to be following their directive. I mean, the last time I read the charter, he reports to them. Yeah. All right? So it, so it comes squarely on their shoulders. Now, if you want to say, well, the, union, the unions are over-bargaining and we're, we're, we're stuck with what, what they're coming up with. The fact of the matter is, is I don't think we've done a very good job overall explaining where we stand um, relative to our financials. I think, I, think, I think the union people, I've worked in a union previously, so I'm going to tell you now, I know they're reasonable people. We implemented a total quality management procedure over at uh, Cranston Print where I worked. All the, all the employees bought into it. We know where the company stood and we and survived for quite a while longer. The place is being knocked down now. but. Um, we, we outlasted the non-union firms by about 15 years. Why? Because the employees will buy into it once they know what was going on. And that's the same thing here. I don't think we're in a situation with a collective bargaining in of itself is the, is, the, uh, is the target. I think if we actually went to the table and said, well, here's our liabilities, here's what we're looking at. And the fact is, we can continue. you can continue to ask us for all these benefits, but it's not going to be there unless we all work together. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, I, I don't disagree with you. I just I think it's interesting that um, the, the, some of the folks that this year are starting to discuss uh, liabilities, again, in, in particular, the post-retirement benefits, um, are also some of the folks that have been on the council the longest. I, I don't remember Councillor Lukes ever uh, speaking out uh, in terms of any problems with funding uh, pensions or uh, uh, health care, and uh, she's been there, I think, 20 years now. I don't think it was an issue when she was running for mayor. Um, and uh, it just seems like suddenly, now that things are getting potentially really bad, uh, now everyone wants to discuss it. I just think it's interesting that, you, I think you correctly put it on the council, uh, but some of the members that are, are the longest standing on the council, I think would also be the ones that we would uh, expect to be have uh, the, been the most outspoken on that issue and actually have been quite silent. I want to cut this, I want to cut this, sub, yep. this topic off. As CNN would say, we're going to leave it there. Uh, I want to ask you about the Midtown Mall. Now, people know the Midtown Mall, that's that sort of funky little pedestrian mall thing across the street sideways from City Hall, has little shops and whatever in there. For a few years now, uh, city councilors have not only said that they don't like it, that they think it's sort of chintzy or cheap or bad in whatever way, but have talked about using eminent domain for the, for the city or the Worcester Redevelopment Authority to seize the mall, potentially demolish the mall or change it into a completely different thing. Um, I think that this gets into issues of what's the role of government, what's the role of private property, and just economic development in general. Uh, Michael, would you support the city seizing the Midtown Mall by eminent domain? No, I would not. And okay. Couple, role of government, we've already discussed some of the issues when I, when I was talking about the, uh, the tax rate and, mm -hmm. and the reason why the, the gentleman that owns the Midtown Mall isn't going to be improving the if he improves the place, then his tax rate's going to go up. Which, by the way, the Midtown Mall, from what I read in the Telegram Gazette, as, as I recall, is, has a tax assessment of about $3 million. Mm -hmm. And even in the article, it said this place isn't worth $3 million. Why do they have a tax rate of $3 million? Furthermore, we don't have any money to buy it by eminent domain. And if we did, we've got a lot of better places we could put that money. Yeah. We also have enough vacant torn down lots in downtown uh, Worcester, and I don't think we really need another cut through for, for traffic either. Um, so I don't see the point in, in, in ripping, the, ripping them all down. 
immediately with the same discussion of eminent domain and the Midtown Mall, there was another article by another columnist, journalist, well, it's not a journalist, columnist uh, in the Telegram Gazette about, you know, the, the, uh, the occupants of the Midtown Mall and the people that go there. And I don't, I don't really know that we should be in a position where we start judging businesses by, <laughs> you know, who, what's in there. I mean, I'm sorry, chintzy to one person is cool to another. I, yes. I don't know how else to explain it in, uh, in half a second there. So, no, I, I think the role of government isn't to continuously, particularly our city, we keep knocking things down down um, and I think it all comes back to the to what we we're discuss, discussing a moment ago we are headed down a, a very similar road to, to that of Detroit with vacant lots everywhere um, unfunded pension liabilities that everybody saw coming and did, and took no no action on I don't think knocking down the Midtown Mall is going to improve downtown it's sort of, it's always sort of amazing to me whenever somebody says like this thing where there's actual economic activity <laughs> you know like it would be better it would be better to have my pie in the sky plan than this actual existing sustainable can, can I briefly touch on that too? That pie in the sky plan is is the theater district. Now I want to go back a little bit because mm-hmm. I've been around for a little while. But you know, originally we had the Whistle Common Fashion Now it's going to save the city. Now we're knocking it down, moving Unum from one part of the city to the other, and calling it progress. We've got a road now. Um, Berwick Building with the Arts District. You had the Union Station. Oh, that's going to solve all the problems. Shrewsbury Street's going to be booming. It's going to add a whole bunch. All failures. Now, role of government isn't to come in and start making these master plans, but. The theater district plan, which by the way, there's only one theater. The theater district plan is a master plan we put out there for community re- redevelopment. We went out ostensibly, took citizen in, citizen in, input on it, and what did we do? We totally ignored it. The master plan, the only difference between that and the, and the final plan was a couple punctuation changes. That's 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 not even listening to, to the, city, the people of Worcester. It's a frustrating situation. I'm sure we will be ranting for many an hour on this show Are you about the, the Midtown the Mall. Been a failure? Oh, I'm not saying the theater's okay. been... No, please, and thank you for asking, just in case anyone is concern, uh, concerned about that. No, we've got one theater, is my only point, for a whole theater mm-hmm. district. But to come in and say, There's here... The second one opening up next door. Uh, next door. I mean, you get the improv asylum is still scheduled to be going into this parcel next door. That's, it is, yeah. it is. But what we're looking at, though, with the, with the whole theater was a master plan that was put out by the city to say, here's what we're, you know, here's what we're looking at. What is, what is your input to the citizenry? Mm-hmm. The citizenry gave input, right. and they ignored it completely. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's kind of my point. No, I know, that. but there does seem to be growth as a result of that, those changes. So you've got Quint Sigmund <coughs> College is going downtown now into the old TNG building. You've got Becker College is supposed to be looking at the property, uh, the Mayo Group property um, down behind the library. I mean, we're, we're bringing bodies down there. That's, Can I comment on that, if you don't it. mind? Sure. Um, with regards to Quint Sigmund, so, so they moved out of the old uh, Common Fashion Outlet building. Mm-hmm. So they're going to move across the park over the TNG building. Um, I'm not going to get in a big debate whether that's actually progress. We're just moving across the park. Mm-hmm. Um, but on that note, I, I actually attended the Quint Sigmund. I'm going to get myself a little trouble here, but I attended their, uh, you know, their kickoff over at the uh, Worcester Senior Center. And what they actually were telling us is that um, I asked about parking. Well, you know, we got the, 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 the busing. Uh, the kids aren't going to take the bus. Mm-hmm. Well, they can park at the Earl, Earl, uh, Pearl Elm garage. That garage is full. Go try to go in there in the winter. It's not going to happen. Well, there's a federal garage. So their entire plan for parking is actually the library parking lot, which a lot of people have been up in arms about the, the whole plan to put a skating rink there. Well, we're going to fill it with Prince Sigmund students as well. Kind of a disjointed plan. It's, it's one of my, my points about that, and the citizenry input wasn't taken to say, listen, one of the things, if you're going to bring people down here, they're going to have a place, place to park as well. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to touch on the eminent domain thing. Do you think there's any role for eminent domain in, in a city hall? 
Oh, there it is. Okay. Otherwise, you know, we, we do have domain laws. But I'm, my point with the with the Midtown Mall is we overassess it and tell him that he's not improving it. So we're going to take it by eminent domain mm -hmm. because we don't like the businesses in there. I don't think that's the role of government. Yeah. No, I honestly don't know how I feel about the Midtown Mall. I get a lot of sympathies for the old uh, arcade there uh, years gone by. But I mean, like Worcester Medical Center, that wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the WRA and their eminent domain powers. I mean, there are a lot of success stories in almost any major city that uh, oftentimes are viewed negatively in real time. And then after the fact, people look at and say, yeah, that was probably the best decision we ever made, even if it maybe it cost more than it should have. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I just don't see what the, is there an alternate plan to uh, the Midtown Mall other than knocking it down? And unless you get something else in place, I, I got to say, I don't think that's, uh, that's the role of government. I want to change the subject for a couple minutes to uh, politics, and then we'll come back in with the important questions like push-ups. Um, now, you have been a donor to the Tea Party spinoff group, Activate Worcester, right? Um, actually, I went to a Scott Brown event and I gave $100 at the event. To activate. I've heard of, to activate. Okay. I, I really, um, with regards to it, have you, if you've looked into things and, that, and that's all you're going to ask me, you also know that I've given to Representative Mahoney, you know I've given to uh, uh, Tracy Novak O'Connell, you know, in the past I've given to uh, uh, Tim Murray. Sure. Um, even, I even gave money to Rick Rush. Do you, would you, would you, you describe yourself? So you, so you've given right. I, I would just wanted to ask though, because I know that this is something which comes up. I mean, do you, would you describe yourself as a Tea Party guy? Uh, absolutely not. No. Okay. They have an event coming up in uh, September that they have you listed as a guest uh, at. Bonnie Johnson has on Facebook now for Activate Worcester. Is it uh, to come meet Mike Gaffney event? That's uh, I believe it's a uh, middle part of September. Is that nothing you're not something you're participating in? No, I'm, I, I wasn't aware of it, but I'll, I'll also say this is um, with regards to your group, and I looked into it, you've got a, uh, a, a chairperson, I believe, uh, Polly Tatum, who I asked um, about Wait, the group. Wait, what, what group? Uh, the initiative for engaged you? citizenship. That's not That's not, not you guys, no. I'm sorry. That's David LeBeau. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Of course, I was asking her why she's on it. She says, I'm not even on this thing, um, but she, she was listed as well. So, okay. Do you have any thoughts on Activate Worcester and the role that they've taken in the city? Well, actually, you know, when uh, initially when I started when I started the campaign, um, quite frankly, I, I heard that I was a member of Activate Worcester and that I was a Tea Party guy. Uh, well, thank you very much. Um, then I ended up uh, going to uh, when I was going door to door, I, I left a flyer on Mr. Ron Mata's door, mm -hmm. um, who called me and said, "Come on on the show." So you can feel free to watch me on on that show as well. And you know, they were rather shocked because I've never met Ron. Well, met Ron Mata. I thought Sandy Williamson was sure. actually, I thought it was a woman. Um, so I'd never actually even walked the show. So they're kind of fascinated to find out that I was their candidate without them actually knowing. I just mean in terms of some of the civic engagement that they've involved in, because it involved the city in voting. I mean, do you think there are any issues regarding uh, voter fraud or voter registration issues? You know, that seems to be their, their hallmark issue here in the Worcester, in Worcester come elections, election time. It does seem to be their issue, but I've actually worked as a clerk down, uh, yeah. you know, a number of times. and. Quite frankly, I, I haven't seen it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've been, I've been. Uh, when you asked, asked what I actually do for the city as well, I'm, I actually do clerking, um, mm -hmm. and I work with, I work with uh, Gary Vecchio um, uh, down at the. I'm actually forgetting where, where I even go. Good man. But with regards to it, frankly speaking, I haven't seen issues. Uh, frankly, uh, people come in. They may be on the inactive list. They come over to the table. They produce uh, some form of idea, bill, whatever else. We verify and they go and vote. I haven't seen the issues yeah. that. Um, that have actually been written about. All right, so now we're going to get into the real questions here. First question, what is the most push-ups you've ever done? Well, I, I saw that was going to be one of your questions. <laughs> I know the uh, Army Annual Physical Fitness Test um, the, to, to, to achieve 100% is, is 82. 
I know I've beaten that. I'm gonna guess I was in 90, you know, about 96. But that's in two minutes. Okay. Uh, you know, in a total session, if you're talking 15, 20 minutes, when you're actually working out, mm -hmm. uh, probably significantly more. So, can you put it in a row? What's the number? Uh, it's it's probably somewhere in the 90s. I don't want to right. misquote myself. All right, that's well good. We just good job. More than me. Finally, a candidate with an answer. <laughs> Most people Straight have no talk. idea of their physical fitness levels. Well, I, I, again, I was in the military, so yeah. they actually tested you on that one. Do you mind if I ask what your role is in the military? Is that, do you sure, mind I answer going? Oh, nothing no, secret. I was a captain of a 1058 transportation company in Hingham, Massachusetts. I had 180 soldiers, mm -hmm. uh, and men and women, served under me. Um, so I was, that was kind of my role. I, um, I was transportation qualified, and I actually uh, completed the, the Army's nuclear, chemical, biological, chemical uh, warfare. What do you what do you carry with you on a daily basis? What does your EDC look like? Uh, really, about the this question, I tried to think real hard. You can put it on the table if you want to. It, well, actually, I left it in the car. Uh, it, was okay. my, it was my cell phone. And okay. I left it small because I didn't want it to ring. Uh -huh. So you don't carry like knives, flashlights, guns? No, I don't. Okay. I don't. I do not. I don't have a. I don't have a, uh, a um, license to carry any of that sort of stuff. No. I have a couple more questions, but I don't know if Brendan wants to ask anything. No, go ahead with your. Uh... Um. I see this. We have about we have about five minutes left. Um, do the children in your life plan to live in Worcester when they grow up? Well, uh, the children in, in my life, you know, friends and, uh, and family, are all very young, um, mm -hmm. three, six years old, um, some even younger, uh, a bunch of newborns. Not really sure what their plans are. They haven't quite articulated it, so mm -hmm. I, I got to equivocate on that question. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. I've always, you know, in, in my time in Worcester, I've seen a number of kids go from little kids to adults, and a surprising amount of them, to me, surprising amount of them to me have stayed in Worcester. And I don't know if it's because I moved around enough as a kid that, like, moving out of where you grew up just seems like the obvious choice to me, and it's not the obvious choice to most people, or if there is something about Worcester that people are like, you know, I've seen London, I've seen Paris, like, this is the place. Brendan, do you have a... I, no, I've got nothing on that because I think people are, they're, I think it's spe specifically in the middle class, there do seem to be people leaving in droves and it's an issue that we have to uh, figure out uh, long term. But related to that, um, I, this one's just off the top of my head, but we have got a, a huge college consortium, student body, whatnot, roughly 30,000 students every four years. Um, what do you think we could do as a city to better retain uh, those students when they're done with college as opposed to just having them go back to wherever they came from? or? You know, whatever the case may be, you know, we do. We seem to do a pretty terrible job of retention. If we did a better job, our population would be growing by leaps and bounds, which it hasn't seemed to be doing over the last 50 years, last 10 maybe, a slight jump. Um, is there anything we could be doing better as a city to work on college retention, like a city like Boston might do? Certainly. Well, people go to the city of Boston and other cities because there's jobs there. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what it really uh, comes down to. We've watched more and more jobs leave, um, and, and when they leave, the, the students leave. So the only thing we have, we've got transient uh, students that come in, uh, and and they're, they're good for the city, otherwise we'd be like Springfield. So, so the nice thing is to have them here. They also do you know, bring, uh, bring money to uh, a lot of the, the businesses that cater to them. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, is they're not going to stay here if there's no job. Um, I know we have the train system, so we're trying to be a bedroom community of, of Boston. But when, you're, when your commute on a train is an hour and 20 minutes, an hour and a half mm -hmm. each day, that, and you're adding that to your eight-hour day, 
it's taxing. And what ends up happening is you, you'll get the job out in Boston, take the train for a while, and you're going to move closer. Oh, what do you think you're, it really, and I don't want to make this uh, oversimplify, but what do you think the best way to get to job creation is in the city? Is that something the city uh, council or the manager takes a leadership role in, or is it something that we have to be looking at the relationship with uh, private entities to improve uh, job creation in the city? Well, I think it's a, it's a bit of a combination of both, but I'm going to go back to what I was talking about earlier with regards to um, giving a, a reason for, the, for, their, for our commercial property owners to reinvest in those buildings mm -hmm. and start getting uh, the businesses in the buildings. Nobody's going to come into a dilapidated building. It's not going to happen particularly with small businesses. They don't have the funds to do that. Mm -hmm. If you have decent properties out there for, for them to start utilizing, we have nicely in Worcester, we have the infrastructure, we have the power grids, we've got the phone, we've got everything we kind of need to, to set them up. Mm -hmm. um, and unless we're going to take those efforts, mm -hmm. uh, you're not going to have people <coughs> coming into the city. And you get those small businesses going, uh, and then, then the thought is that event that creates jobs, keep, yeah. keep, keeps people here, with good taxpayers that might want to live in the city as well to be close to work, and that's a, it's a whole cycle. And then eventually you can start looking at trying to bring some of the rates down to be competitive. Because right now our uh, residential is about 19%, our commercial is 30.8%, I believe, um, whereas surrounding communities are at 17 and 17, respectively. Mm -hmm. um, hard to compete with that, which is, again, why... Um, a so lot do you think it should be like a city investment in properties that would then spur uh, private growth, or...? Uh, not necessarily. Uh, again, my, my thought is to let the people that actually own the buildings make the investment in the buildings, and what we'll say. The, what, what, what would be the thing that would give them cause to do that? Well, as I, I kind of discussed earlier, with, with regards to our tax rate at thirty percent, if I tell you I'm going to lock you in at, at year one, mm -hmm. you know, the base year, and say this is where you're going to be, you put the money into the building. I'm going to give you time to actually recoup, you know, a, a return on investment in that building before I bump your taxes from the eighty thousand you're paying now to one hundred and forty because you improved the building. And the residential side eats the difference. No, I, that's that's why I said I can't just cut the yeah. uh, the thirty percent. It's because I want to keep the keep the services, which is why. I, which is my whole plan to say no, no, let's not do that because otherwise we're going to. But if we're backing the tax rate into a budget. I mean, something has to give somewhere, right? I mean, if you're locking one one group in, then the other side has to. Well, then you're, see the, the, only, the only thing you're actually lowering then would be actually be the, the growth with, with regards to that tax base. But but right now we're contracting, mm -hmm. so every year we're contracting because every year we have less and less businesses, less and less businesses actually investing. If we get if we start with a flat line, then we're the only thing we can hopefully do is, is improve. Okay. And again, particularly with a the residential, there's already an idea on the table, so I don't want to start taking credit for it, but to say, all right, if you reinvest in some of the, some of the housing, mm -hmm. whether it's a three-deckers or, or whatever, well, we're going to give you a rate of return on that as well, then you actually have decent housing for the college sure. students to live in as well. we got to cut you off there. Oh. we got 20 seconds left. Michael, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been a great conversation. Also, Brendan Malikan. I'm Mike Benedetti. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.